0: Welcome to episode 159 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is the offseason, but oh, there is so much going on with the Blue Devils. The roster for the 2019 to 2020 season is shaping up quite nicely, I would say. Um, It is sort of funny to remember just maybe just even a few weeks ago when people were somewhat worried about Coach K's ability to recruit. Oh, how times have changed. Before we get into all of that, I want to start by thanking our sponsor, as always, Bird Campbell Law Firm, the boys from Bird Campbell, a pair of former Dukies who still love the school and they love the podcast. If you ever want, um, if you have legal needs in Texas or Florida, reach out to them at birdcampbell.com. And I have to bring in my partners in crime. I am Jason Evans and joining me as always in Durham, North Carolina, Sam Klein. How are you doing, Sam?
1: So I'm drinking a mug of tea just because it's, you know, a Monday evening, and that's what I choose to do. But I'm also drinking the mug of tea because did you people really think that Coach K couldn't recruit anymore? Hold on. I need to take a sip of my tea. (laughs) (laughs) Very
0: nice.
2: Very nice. Is is it Lipton? Is it Lipton? Because that sounded
1: brisk. No. No, I've got that. I've got that. I've got that celestial seasoning. Sleepy time tea. Oh, the, with the ooh. with with the bear and the in the pajamas. Okay. Slight tangent. That that is that is
2: without a doubt. If we're talking about teas, that is that is the that is the pinnacle of teas.
1: It is it is turned in here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> As you can
0: tell, ladies and gentlemen, also joining Sam and I in Washington D.C. Donald Wine, he of the tea aficionado.
2: Yes, I am a tea aficionado. I don't have tea right now, but I will say this, as uh, I I tweeted out today, uh, reports, rumors of our recruiting demise have been greatly
0: exaggerated. So that's a great way. Let us jump into uh, the news that has happened for Duke in just the past few days. Uh, of the 2019-2020 roster has come together um, in some fabulous, wonderful kind of ways as we have finished out, uh, at least we think we finished out, a very, very successful recruiting season. All the experts out there are saying that Duke, uh, for the third year in a row and the fourth time in five years, has the best recruiting class in the land. Um, it, it all concluded today with Cassius Stanley, a shooting guard out of California, who committed to the Blue Devils. Um, he's about a top 30 or so recruit. Just a couple days ago, another crown jewel, another five-star recruit, Matthew Hurt from Minnesota, um, a, uh, a power forward who is a s- true stretch for one of the best outside shooters in the entire class. He, he's a top 10 um, prospect. He also committed to Duke. By the way, if you're a good basketball player from the state of Minnesota, you're only allowed to go to Duke. Like, it's, it's a done it's deal. In, it's jail. in the law. <laughs> it, it is. The Jones brothers, Gary Trent, and now Matthew Hurt. Basically, if you're from Minnesota and and Coach K wants you, you come to Duke. Actually, if you're from anywhere and Coach K wants you, you come to Duke. Guys, a lot to unpack with these recruits added to what is already a tremendously impressive recruiting class. Uh, uh, Donald, I'll start with you. Which one of these guys do you want to tell me a little bit about? And you know, what do you have to say about, about the job that we've done bringing in the number one class in the land again again again
2: well let me start with matthew hurt because as you said he's the he's the crown jewel of the other of recruits that we were going after uh, in this class uh that's left that's still left to commit uh, and when i say that this guy plays like dirk Nowitzki, just go watch any film that you see of matthew hurt and you will say this guy plays like dirk Nowitzki. which i say hell yeah that is a great comparison to his game, he has a one-foot fadeaway jumper that is nearly unstoppable at the high school level, and it'll be it'll be great to see that kind of translate to the college level. And he also has a great shot, as you said, Jason, from beyond the arc. He he can shoot it from anywhere. He can handle the ball, which is uh very apparent for someone uh his size. He's six eight, uh you know, small forward, and can also play the four at times. He can handle the ball at perimeter. He can drive. The one thing I will say about him and, and uh. Coach K alluded to this in uh, a press conference a few days ago. I'm not sure when, but he said that Matthew Hurt was the most versatile player in this class. And I definitely agree that he is one of those versatile players. Think Mike Dunleavy, the guy who can go inside, he can go outside, he can dunk, he can shoot the ball. He can do anything that you need. That kind of you know player is going to be really, really nice to have uh, on this team next year. But one thing that he will have to learn, um, he's one of those guys who's not going to create his own shot. He's going to be a guy that gets his shots in the flow of the offense, which we do need. We're going to have a lot of guys that can create. We're going to have a lot of guys who can do things uh, on their own or create a shot or be, uh, find a way to get open. He's going to be that guy that's going to work within the flow of the offense, and he's going to get his shots anyway. So that is what he's going to work on. Defense, he's going to need to improve on a little bit, particularly on the inside because he's not that big of a guy. He's six eight, but he's not. You know, it's not a, he's not a wide body like, you know, we have in Zion or Marquise Bolden. But he's going to have to play some guys and defend guys who are the four or the three. And they're going to want to try and go inside of him. So that's going to be something. It'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff does to work on that part of his game going inside. But what a great get uh, to have in this class. And also just to a lot of the things that we on offense that we were lacking this year, namely three-point shooting, he can provide that. And that's why. I think he's going to be a really, really good player next year. So I'll tell you something really interesting that I heard about Matthew Hurt. There was, uh, there was someone who watches
0: a lot of high school basketball who commented and said, with his feet set, he thinks this kid literally does not miss from three. Um, that he is one of the best shooters from three, again, with his feet set, not really on the move, that, that this, you know, college, this high school basketball watcher has ever seen. Um, and it will be a really welcome change from you know, what we had this past year where where you often wondered where Duke was going to get any outside scoring from. Um, even though we took a lot of threes, we didn't make a lot of threes. Matthew Hurt is going to take and make a lot of three-point baskets. And Jason, and the other
2: th- Jason what, yeah. what's important about that that uh, I think is good to note is that because of his size, because of the guys who are probably going to be guarding him, those three and four, those bigger guys – he's going to have a lot of sets where he can just come out to the wing and his guy's not going to follow him because he's going to want to stay in the paint and probably play a zone or something like that. And he's just going to shoot open jump shots all day. And even if you're in a zone, he can shoot over that zone because of his length. And and that's going to be a very interesting thing to see how Coach K uses uh, to kind of flow within the offense yeah now I, I don't want to imply that it's all you know
0: roses and and wonderful things about this kid. He must get stronger, he must get mm-hmm. stronger, he must get stronger and and he does not finish well through contact. I mean, you talked about that little fadeaway he has in the lane. It's great that he has that because if he goes straight up, he's not going to finish against college level um uh athletes, uh, especially you know guys who are more physical than him and then i I really want to see him work on his rebounding. He was not a great rebounder. Um, in uh, in in high school or in the All Star games, and I think that's an important area that he can probably help this team out some. Hey, Sam, let me go to you. Give me the last word on on Matthew Hurt, and then go ahead and get me to the next recruit, the one we just heard about today, Cassius Stanley.
1: Yeah, I, I, my impression of of Matthew Hurt, Jason, you're spot on about how he probably needs to put on weight, especially um, if Duke expects him to play inside. But that being said, his length and his height at at a at a wing position, like playing the traditional three position, is going to really open things up for Duke. I think that we all know that the thing that the Blue Devils were really lacking this past season, on offense at least, was that was that perimeter threat. Matthew Hurt hopefully brings that, and he brings it with size, so you can draw, as Donald said, you can draw a bigger defender out on him. I'm thinking about him more in the, maybe it's a, it's a similar comparison, uh, but in that Kyle Singler vein, where Kyle Singler came in able to shoot basically right away, kind of similar size, uh, but put on mass to be able to play the four and occasionally the five in a small lineup. I think, Matthew hurt. is he going to be on the cookout diet as well? Ooh, yeah. We got to put, we got to put Matthew hurt on the cookout. Diet, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, cookout I'll, diet. I'll buy him for him. Uh, first yeah. one's on me, Matt. <laughs> so, so Matthew hurts going to be spending a lot of time on Hillsborough road next year because yeah, he's going to need to be able to bang uh, down low with with big guys, with bigger guys probably than he's been playing against up in Minnesota. Um, that, of course, is going to be dependent. I know we're, we're not there yet in the discussion, but it is sort of dependent on who else is on Duke's roster, especially in the front court next year, as to how many minutes Matthew Hurts playing right. On the perimeter versus down low, but very excited spoiler about alert, him.
0: Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! We will be discussing the roster coming up later. Coming up later on the podcast. That, that is the a, roster will be discussed.
1: That is a topic that we must <laughs> get to. But in the meantime, so I'm I am excited about Matthew Hurt. He's and and, and now I'm ca- I can't remember. Maybe you guys can remind me. Who was it? There was a a DBR post on the forum a couple of years ago. Uh, a poster analyzed kind of the relationship between recruiting rankings and your year in school, and therefore. Um, how much playing time you normally get? Matthew Hurt is in the is in kind of that back half of the top ten kind of range. So he's definitely a five star, definitely a you know all all star game type player for Duke. Uh, he's not in the same level perhaps as RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, and then in this class Vernon Carey. But definitely a guy who we can expect to see big minutes this year. Um, the same is not exactly true of Cassius Stanley, who falls more into the range where. Fellow recruits Wendell Moore uh, and Boogie Ellis are where uh, they 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 may or may g- not get significant playing time this year. But I think Duke is very excited about having Cassius Stanley. He's a he's a bigger shooting guard. He's six five. Um, comes from uh, the same town that uh, oh god, what was that Duke point guard's name we just lost a couple of years ago? Guys, who am I blanking on? Uh, who transferred back to USC? Oh, oh on, Derek, Thornton, Derek Thornton. Derek. Yeah, same hometown as Derek Thornton. Um, but I did not know that actually, that's why it was hard for me to come up with him. So there you go. Um, but, uh, but so Stanley's a nice piece. I don't expect him to, given that he's, he's sort of ranked in like the high twenties, low thirties ish kind of range. Um, I'm not sure that we can expect him to be a, a starter next year. He'll be battling for minutes with the likes of Alex O'Connell and Joey Baker um, and some of his own classmates, but um, very strong for Duke to come in late on a guy who has other blue bloods like Kansas right at the top of his list um, and to and to battle them out for him. I think that, again, we'll get into the roster a little deeper, but it, it's going to be a deep bench for Duke next year, and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, which of those shooting guards sort of emerges as as Trey Jones's most reliable sidekick. I think that that the shooting is going to be the most important part of it. So if Cassius Stanley can provide more shooting than, than Alex O'Connell or, uh, or Joey Baker or, or Wendell Moore can, then, then he's the guy for that spot. If he can't, uh, it'll go to somebody else, but that's going to be, that's going to be the toughest thing I think for Duke next season is to round out the shooting. Matthew Hurt is going to probably be the primary outside shooter. Duke needs probably another guy in addition to hurt um, to be able to shoot from, from the perimeter.
0: You're talking a little bit about outside shooting. Let me tell you about Cassius Stanley. A year ago, this kid looked like someone who couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. Um, he played in the EYBL, the big Nike, you know, all-stars kind of league last spring. And while playing in the EYBL, he hit 21% of his three-pointers. Ouch. He only hit 61% of his free throws. Not good. And the worst part was, he wasn't afraid to shoot. Like, he was putting up about three three three-pointers per game, even though he was only hitting 21% of them. Not good. But the word on Cassius Stanley is that he has worked on his outside shot a lot. And people say it has improved. Now, I've watched some video of him, and it looks to me like – he has the ball in the palm of his hand a little too much when he takes an outside shot, he needs to get it a little more to come off of his fingertips. So I'm sure you guys can picture what I'm talking about, but he is said, everyone says he is improving as an outside shooter, but this kid is a crazy explosive athlete. Um, if you, if you, again, if you look on YouTube, he's not Zion Williamson, but boy, he's just a little shade below that in terms of just electrifying electrifying dunks, um, you know, taking the ball to the rim and attacking it with abandon. He can jump out of the gym. And if Cassius Stanley plays, I think his primary role, yes, he, he'll probably, they'll ask him to shoot some outside, but his major role is going to be taking the ball to the rack in a big, big major way and probably finishing a fair number of lobs from Trey Jones. Now, he's another guy who needs to gain weight, 6'5", 180. Kid weighs 180 pounds at six foot five. I'm not ashamed to say that I weigh more than 180 pounds, and I am nowhere near six foot five. Donald, are I, you more I than one eighty? I can 180?
1: confirm. I can confirm that Jason is both of those things.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> I was 180 a long time ago. Sam, <laughs> Sam, are 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 you? Sam,
0: you're short. You're probably less than 180, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay, but just, let's just be clear. But I'm also, I, I'm,
1: also, I'm also a foot shorter than this guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was going to say,
0: Donald and I, I'm, I am five, six inches shorter than this guy, and I outweigh him
1: by 30 pounds. Wait, so, Jason, how tall do you claim to be? 5'11". All right. No one's 5'11". They're the six-footer, five Yeah, nine. that's right. That's right. Ain't nobody
0: 5'11". I'm 5'11 and a half, actually.
2: <laughs> Just say six feet. Do it.
0: <laughs> in, in any event, Cassius Stanley. Throw it down, he, big man. He needs to put on some weight. And, and the last thing on him, guys, do you know about his school, Sierra Canyon? Do you know about this, this basketball power in California?
2: I do. I,
0: go ahead and <laughs> tell him, though. Sierra Canyon has won back-to-back state titles. They are loaded, loaded with college talent. The the center on the Sierra Canyon team is a seven-foot guy who's committed to play at Arizona next year. And by the way, two of Cassius Stanley's teammates, the point guard on the team, is Scotty Pippen Jr. You get Mm -hmm. two guesses as to who Scotty Pippen Jr.'s dad is, and the first guess doesn't count. And the power forward on the team is Kenyon Martin Jr., again, Two guesses as to who Kenyon Martin Jr.'s dad is. We're talking two prominent NBA players whose sons are playing on the team with Cassius Stanley. Uh, And Sierra Canyon is like literally every single one of their starters will play major D1 um, basketball. Uh, He has been playing around some great players. And it's really exciting that he's now going to be playing around great players uh, as a member of the Duke Blue Devils. Donald, I've said way too much. Finish up my Cassius Stanley conversation for us.
2: Yeah, so you mentioned that he can jump out of the gym and and mentioned his athleticism. Those are literally exactly things I had in my notes. Uh, but sorry, thing, man. <laughs> but it, I, mean, I mean, you're right though. I mean, the the athleticism that he has is is for a guy his size is very very good. But what really uh, impresses me about him is that he's not just going to the rack and trying to just dunk over, you know, the entire team. He's not trying to, you know, he's not running through guys and trying to bull through people to get his way. He's not that big. He has to create sometimes at, in the air and finish and he's really really good at doing that, but he's also impressively good at being in control while doing it, you notice a lot of times this past year we had guys that would go to the rack and they would just go right through some guy because of how big they were, and we'd get called for the offensive foul. That's not going to be his style. He's going to finish with uh, with one of these things where he can, you know, twerk in the air, tw- you know, move his body in the air, and get the
1: shot off. And wait, get wait, wait, wait! Stop,
0: stop! Did you say twerk in the air? I said torque.
1: I was going to let it go. I was, he said twerk. I was going to let it go. Now, hey. Donald, you said twerk.
2: See, what <laughs> happened was, what happened was, I was like in the middle of a cough and I was trying to sneeze at the same time and, and just everybody just shut up. <laughs> um, now
1: that, but yeah, now, like, that they've all, now that the people have all been allowed to linger on that image, let's move on, yeah. Donald. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, is that he is able to create his shot in
2: a way that uh we didn't have this year. Uh, and I think that's going to be something where we talk about him driving a lane and driving to the driving to the through the lane to the rim, he's going to be able to get not just make shots, but also get to the line. And that's where, as you said, Jason, his improved free throw shooting is going to come into play because he's going to be at the foul line a lot, especially when he's
1: creating all that shots. Hey, Donald, I, I wanted to um, wanted to wrap up this conversation just very quickly. I did, while you guys were talking, not that I wasn't listening, but while you were talking, I did go find that thread I was referencing about the correlation between recruiting rankings and and playing time at Duke. It is a thread that was started in the summer of 2014 on the DBR board by a prolific poster Kedzie. Um, and I am going to link to it. We'll link to it in the, in the show link, but um, for listeners who are not familiar with the high quality content that comes off the DBR, I think this would be a great example of the kind of analysis that you can get from the discussion board, because it is a long conversation about tracking um, how players uh recruiting rankings and then their their seasons of experience at duke mesh well with doing a like a they they predict well how many minutes they're going to get so uh, it's not exactly on the recruiting rankings uh, or on the on the recruits that we're specifically talking about here but it did come up in the conversation so i will link to that in the show
0: Guys, now that we've talked recruiting for a little bit, it is time to move on to a conversation about the roster. And let's begin just very, very quickly. Uh, today, uh, we're recording this on Monday, the 22nd. Um, uh, today, Javin Delorier and Mark Reese Bolden both declared for the NBA draft. But, But let's be very clear. <laughs> Neither one of them said they plan to definitely stay in the draft. They are merely uh, exploring the process, and this is something that a lot of juniors do, especially guys who have any NBA aspirations, which Javin and, and Marquise both do. Uh, you know, they 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 go into the draft. They they talk to NBA executives. They talk to agents. They maybe even sign with an agent. Although these guys did not say they necessarily would. They you know they, they get worked out by teams and they figure out. A, where's, what's my stock like? Should I stay in the draft? And in, in the case of both these guys, it doesn't look like they are guys who are going to be drafted. Um, and then the other thing they, they look at is, what does the NBA say I need to work on? What does the NBA say I need to change and improve to become a more valuable prospect in a year? So uh, Donald, I'll go to you. You know, Any concerns here about what what Javin Deloria and Marquise Bolden have decided to do? It, it sounds like it
2: makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, Like you said, and and what you said about the part where juniors uh, would be wise in doing this is absolutely correct. But they've also, if you recall, uh, they changed the rule this year, which means that anyone can go out and even sign with certain agents that are registered with the NCAA, evaluate their talent or evaluate uh, themselves with the NBA uh, and see the feedback that they get, and still come back to school after all that's said and done. So I I think when it comes to Javin and Marquise, it makes sense for them to go in and see. Hey, what do we need to work on? If the, unless there's a team that comes in and says, "Hey, I guarantee that you're going to be a first round pick, that you're our number one guy on the board," whatever that is. Uh, unless that's there, then maybe they say, "Okay, uh, take the feedback. I'm not going to be a first round pick. I'm, I'm I may be a mid to late second round pick. I can come back to Duke and improve on the areas that they think I need improving on, and maybe I'm a you know." low first round uh high yeah i'm sorry a a low first round late first round early second round pick so I, i think in the end this makes sense for them and especially with in the case of bolden because we all remember when he was recruited he was recruited as a one and done and yet he's still here so he he obviously has something that nba talents are probably looking for uh and probably he's the closest to being ready to go to the nba javin may be one of those things where he says okay let me see what they're, what they're actually saying about me. And then he can come back and enjoy. So hopefully they come back. But honestly, if, if one of them gets something that says, hey, I'm going to get drafted, uh, they they almost have to take it at this point. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But obviously, I'm hoping that they come back to be the leaders uh, of this next year's uh, team.
1: Yeah, I think that the there's an interesting element to this because, as you noted, in previous years, it wasn't that easy for players to go through the draft process and then return like they could do it, but they weren't allowed the amount of slack that they would need to actually get something out of it. Now that they can it, as you said, Donald, it it makes perfect sense. And it's especially good for guys like Delorier and Bolden who are Duke players, um, not just any, you know, former or um, college basketball players because Duke is going to have the connections necessary for them to, get workouts and um, and actually get some impactful time with teams. You can imagine now that every junior is going to be declaring for the draft and going to the combine and going to workouts. But Deloria and Bolden will get probably a little bit more attention than your average player just because they have the the Coach K and the Duke brand behind them. So they're going to be able to get a lot more actual actionable feedback out of this process than a lot of guys will. So like you, I don't think that they're going to stay in the draft. I think there's maybe a chance that Marquise Bolden, if he's he's very healthy and he's very in shape, maybe he stays in. But they probably come back, and they probably come back having been through a month or two of the NBA draft combine rigor, which I'm sure is great preparation for them even coming back to school. So I think it's a great thing for them. I think it's going to be important for them to explore that kind of stuff. Ultimately, these are two guys who – are not likely to be high NBA draft picks. Are going to have to uh, have to work really hard and and possibly do that networking necessary for them to to get in the door in an NBA team. And this is the beginning of that process.
0: Well, and, and look, we've seen guys who didn't look big men at Duke who didn't look like they had an NBA future carve out an NBA future. I mean, Lance Thomas, Emil Jefferson, Marshall Plumley has cash NBA paychecks. So you can't tell me that. Um, uh, the Marquise Bolden and Javin Delorier have, have no shot at making it the NBA. We have seen again and again and again in recent years um, playing at Duke, p- performing in our system prepares you to move on to the next level. Um, and I won't be at all surprised if both these guys end up finding a way onto
2: a roster. Probably not next year, but in the future. But even if it's a G League, you know, even if it's through the G League, we've had so many guys in the last just, you know, two, three years alone start in the G league and work their way onto rosters where they're getting full contracts that could be in their future as well. And that is not necessarily uh, a a bad thing. I mean, if they're going to get a contract, however, they can earn it. They're going to earn it. And I think these guys are ready for that challenge.
0: Hey, this edition of the DBR podcast is always is brought to you by the boys of bird Campbell with offices in Florida and Texas Jamie Campbell and Tucker Bird, a couple great guys who are former Dukies and they love the podcast and they love being lawyers. So if you have legal needs in those two states, please reach out to them at b y r d c a m p b e l l B-Y-R-D-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. Worst comes to worst, reach out to them and just say, go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. Guys, we teased it earlier. It is time to talk a little bit about what the roster is going to look like, what playing time is going to look like, and things like that for next year. And the way I want to get into this is we had a wonderful email. we We you know, we did sort of a mailbag thing last last podcast where we talked about some of the great questions we got from some folks. Uh, a gentleman named Enrique Carrera, Enrique Carrera, um sixteen years old, a fan of the DBR podcast from Madrid, Spain, born and raised in Madrid, Spain. Loves Duke basketball, and he says the way he connects with the Blue Devils is by listening to the podcast. So he's instantly one of our, uh, you know, one of my favorite Duke fans in the world because he loves the podcast. But he sent us a question. He said, Hey, guys, what's the future of Alex O'Connell? Where do you see him playing next year? What do you see his role going forward? And we can't just talk about Alex O'Connell because anything, any conversation you have about AOC automatically is going to include Boogie Ellis and Jordan Goldwire and Cassius Stanley and Jack White and Wendell Moore and Joey Baker. And then that leads you into a conversation about Matthew Hurt and Javin on and on and on, obviously, aside from one given gentlemen, the given is Trey Jones is going to be the starting point guard. And I'll give you another given Trey Jones is going to play in competitive games, 37 plus minutes. (laughs) We saw that this past year. (laughs) That's going to happen next year. Aside from that, Sam, I'm going to go to you first. Be ready for this, Sam. My question is going to be, is there anything else you can tell me for sure that you look at the roster and you go, here is something I will tell you for sure about the other 11 guys because there are 12 guys in this roster who look like they are legit, you know, top 25 ACC caliber players. Tell me something about the other 11 guys that I can count on for next year or tell me that you have no idea.
1: Uh, Let's see. I think that Vernon Carey is going to play 25 minutes a game. And I think that Jack White is going to be a team captain outside of that. I don't believe that there's anything for sure here. We talked in the, when we were talking about the, the recruits that obviously Vernon Carey is going to get minutes. He's like a top five recruit, big man. If he can shoot, all the better, even if he can't shoot. Then he's is you know, something like a like a Jolly little Okafor. Maybe not quite as talented as Okafor, but he's but he's a big man who who has a lot of skill inside. So he's going to play. He may not play thirty minutes a game, just depending on the conditioning and and the way that Duke's team is set up. I can see a lot of scenarios where Duke needs to put more shooting on the floor. Duke has enough size at the three, four, five, um, especially if Matthew Hurt develops. Or um, if Jack White's able to play the three reliably where Duke has rebounding at three positions and doesn't need Vernon Carey to be playing 30 plus minutes a game. So outside of that, Jason, I don't have anything definitive for you. I know that Jack White's going to be a captain again. He was this year. He's going to be back next season. If Javin Delorier comes back, he's probably a captain next to him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Marquise Bolden gets that honor as well. But honestly.
0: Oh, actually, I think I think Trey Jones is going to be a captain.
1: Duke's only ever had, you know, it's interesting. Duke's only ever had one sophomore captain. Um and Grayson or, Allen. Or no, 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 Grayson Allen wasn't a captain, was he? Not as a sophomore. Right. Yeah, well, not I as a sophomore. I thought he was um, my bad. No, Greg, Greg Paulus and, and Josh McRoberts were captains as sophomores. And uh that that didn't work out for Duke. That was that was not productive. But um So I think it would be it would be interesting if Trey Jones is a captain. I know that Coach K absolutely loves his presence and is thrilled to have him back uh, as as the starting point guard, but you've got other experienced guys and Coach K wasn't shy about giving the captaincy to role players this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case next year, but that doesn't mean that Jack White or Javin Deloria is getting significant minutes for this team because neither of them had reliable roles all through this past season and it's. And it's not clear that they will next year. Um, There, there is, there's a crowd in the front court. We've talked about um, Bolden and Delorier. If they both come back, they still have to play alongside Vernon Carey. If Carey is really a center, then there probably isn't much room for Bolden or Delorier to get a ton of minutes. And then down in the, in the backcourt, obviously Trey Jones takes an important role. As you said, Jason, 37 minutes ish a game, probably at least, uh, if not, if not even closer to 40 outside of that, who's reliable, Alex O'Connell, not necessarily Joey Baker, not necessarily any of these recruits, not top 10 recruits. So I think there is going to be a ton of competition. And look, we, we think about this every year. I think that my usual tone about coach K and and the roster is he's going to find a way to get it down to six to seven guys. I don't know if I think that way this season, and it's going to take me a while to be convinced.
0: Well, and let's be clear this past year there were six guys who reliably played all the time um, in, in pretty much every game, you know, they, they were, they were playing a significant role, but then there were like four or even five other guys that coach K would, find. I mean, Jordan Goldwire played huge, important minutes in several games. Uh, Antonio Frankovic was playing in the second half against Carolina in the ACC semifinals. Uh, you know, Jack White was huge early in the season, then faded for a little while. I,
2: Alex Justin O'Connell? Robinson played several games, not garbage time.
0: Yeah. Alex O'Connell would go for, like he would start and play 30 plus minutes. And then the next game, he might be on the bench completely. It, 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 so the, Coach Case showed this year that he's going to go with the hot hand. And, and I want to, Don, before I get to you for conversation about about the roster and the balance and things like that of it, um, I want to answer Enrique's question about Alex O'Connell. I, I feel like I feel like we owe it to him to, to a- answer the question that, that he asked us. Um, my opinion is that coach K is going to find the hot hands, um, sort of like he did this year, but even, even more than he did this season. I think we're going to see, you know, guys get chances. A lot of different guys get chances. And, and if you excel, you'll get more and more chances. And if you don't, you'll probably fade back a little bit, but there is a really good argument that between Boogie Ellis and Alex O'Connell and Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore, And Joey Baker, that all those guys, uh, you know, come in sort of with a reputation of perhaps being able to score, you know, especially from the perimeter, whether it's penetrating or taking the outside shot. They all sort of play similar positions. You know, hey, Joey Baker may be a little bigger than the rest of them. Boogie Ellis may be a little bit smaller than the rest of them. But those guys can all play any kind of wing position for you. And I really think it's going to be a question of who has the hot hand and who's hitting his shot and who's able to play good defense for which one of those guys gets a lot of playing time and and as i said i think they're all going to have chances um at least you know early in the season certainly certainly in summer practice and and fall practice they'll have plenty of chances because I, I there's a wafer thin uh difference in all those guys uh you know in, in my mind um you know, I, I i don't i haven't seen anything from anything that says that guy stands out that guy must play 25 minutes um So it's going to be really interesting to hear what we get from, you know, the summer practice reports. That's where, by the way, that's where we started to hear that Jack White was playing really well um, over the summer. And it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, in exhibitions and things like that next year, who's starting to, who's getting um, important moments. All right, I've done enough. Donald, what,
2: what, what you got on the roster for me? So the one thing that I want to talk about, there's, there's a lot that we could talk about right now, uh, a lot of the unknowns. But one thing I want to touch on is the balance of this team. And by balance, I mean uh, the number of young guys we have versus the number of veterans that we have. Last year, a lot of our offense, a lot of our defense, a lot of our special teams, a lot of our everything was centered around the, the freshman class. And, and those guys playing the bulk of the minutes, scoring the bulk of the points, and being counted on for the bulk of the responsibility. But when it comes to this team, this year – or next year, actually, we're going to have six freshmen. We're counting – and I'm counting Keenan Worthington, who is a guy who is not going to play. He, he is going to be a walk-on, uh, but committed to the Blue Devils a couple weeks ago uh, to be a walk-on. So we're going to have 15 guys. Six of them are going to be freshmen, two sophomores, three juniors, and four seniors. Now, we haven't had a, you know a lot of seniors over the last few years that have played considerable minutes. But when you talk about the seniors that we have – that are going to be on the team next year, Javon DeLaurier and Marquise Bolden, when they come back, Jack White and Justin Robinson have also played minutes. I mean, Jack White played heavy minutes this year and Justin Robinson, as I mentioned before, has played in games when the score was still in doubt. And and he has come in to spell big guys when we needed it um, at times uh, during the season. So the thing about this team is we have so many guys that have been counted on by the coaching staff. with with a lot of responsibility and and i think that is going to be and when you add the freshman to that i think that is what makes this team kind of uh unlike any team we've had in the last i'd say you know five six years because we are counting we're going to be counting on a lot of guys that have been counted on in the past and we, we know what they can do they know what they can do and everyone we have a little bit of continuity going here the one thing that i'll also note is that when it comes to our team, we're also, we, we may be having the front court, but I feel like we have a lot of guys that can play different positions. And I think that is going to be where we see a lot of not necessarily, um, you know, lineup or games where we have 10, 11 guys playing, but we'll have 10, 11 guys who, you know, are starting or, or, or contributing significant minutes throughout the season. Sam, that might actually be a good topic for our predictions game is how many people actually make a starting lineup at least once um, that that might be a, a very high number uh, compared to previous years. But uh, to close out, I, I think this roster, the balance is going to be something that our leadership is going to be there. The guys who have been in the trenches before we've had, you know, I mean, some of these guys have been to two elite eights in a row and have been within a minute of going to the final four in both of them. So they had that experience we have that experience, and I think that is something that we haven't had on a lot of teams in previous years, and that's what's going to help us next year. But one thing that will be a question is defense and Sam, I'll toss it to you. what do you think how are, how's our defense going to shape in next year? Of course, we have Trey Jones, but who else is going to step up with him?
1: Yeah, I think that that is a is a big differentiator here. Jason mentioned the the shooting, and I am excited that there are a lot of there are a lot of guys who could be hot on a particular night it's going to be hard to find minutes for all of them what I am curious to see is how much coach K relies on the shooting versus the defense to dictate playing time famously coach K loves to to create the roster around the defense and sort of let the offense take care of itself I think that's been uh, in most years at least in my time as a Duke fan most years that sort of works itself out because Duke happens to have great offensive players pretty much every season no matter what Right? Jolly Okafor was always going to play, even though his defense wasn't great, because Justice Winslow and, and Quinn Cook were there to 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 support him. This team we're, were there are a lot more question marks on defense, I think, than sure things. As you said, Donald, Trey Jones is a is is a known, very high quality product uh on defense, but but the rest of these guys are are unknowns in the case of the freshman or um, they're sort of uneven. Jack White had some great defensive performances so did Marquis Bolden especially at the end of this season but is that going to translate into next season and how well do the freshmen play guys i'll make one sort of bold prediction for this team i think that knowing the way coach k has experimented with teams the last few years and trying to change his style around the the players that he has on hand going zone sometimes um playing a little bit more pressed i wouldn't be surprised if or i'm going to i'm going to predict now that Duke at least next year experiments thoroughly with playing sort of a manic full court type of defense, where if you have a lot of guards who are only going to play 15 minutes, let them loose, let them run around, let them, let them trap full court and see if that frustrates teams. I love watching uh, basketball teams play the full court press. I love seeing them rotate lots of guys in and out if they're, if they're able to do it. And if they're able to, to maintain their composure that way, I wonder if that, has negative effects on the offense because guys just aren't going to get as much playing time together to get used to sharing the ball and, and creating offense. But on the defensive end, I feel like it's going to be really helpful for Duke to be able to throw a lot of bodies constantly. Guys hopefully aren't going to get in foul trouble. You're not going to see a ton of minutes from, from guys, perhaps other than Trey Jones. So fouls shouldn't be an issue for this team, but is Coach K willing to go 9, 10, 11 deep on his bench that usually is only 6 or 7 to make that happen? That's, that's what I'm, I'm waiting to hear, and, and we will read the tea leaves all over the summer and into the fall as to whether he's ready to open that up.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only comment I would have about that is Coach K loves, loves, loves to find his best players and ride them as much as he possibly can it's, uh, you know, it's just sort of the nature of how he has coached for, you know, a couple decades now, at least. And I really want, I mean, we look at this roster and say, so many of these guys seem so similar. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the younger guys may be a little more talented, but the older guys are a little more experienced. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to figure out um, which guy's going to stand out from who. And, A piece of me, even though I really want, Sam, I want to believe that it's going to be like you say, that Coach K is going to go deep and that we're going to you know, try and turn up the pressure on teams and stuff like that. There's a piece of me that really thinks Coach K is going to sit there and find at least three or four of these guys. He says, these are my best players, and he's going to ride them. And those guys are all going to play 30 plus minutes. I don't know, but I feel like given the history of Coach K, that that's what we're probably going to get.
1: One if Coach for K certain, can, Look, if Coach K can, can let his team play zone, can make his team play zone, he can play nine guys.
2: Yeah. I'm just saying. One, one thing's for certain, practices are going to be competitive because everyone's going to be fighting for these spots that are, that are out there and for these minutes. And now that we have a team that everyone knows that they are capable of playing those minutes— that's going to make for a lot of competitive practices uh, in the summertime and as we enter fall practice.
1: Well, and yeah. think about, on that note, Donald, think about Duke being led by Javin Delorier, Jack White, and Trey Jones, who, look, regardless of, of all their various skill sets, they all definitely bring the fire to the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you think any of, the, any of the less experienced players are going to want to let those guys down in practice? It is going to be hell in there.
0: Uh, but by the way, Sam, you said, hey, this is the year Coach K plays nine. Let's be clear about something. There are 12. Right now, there are 12 guys on this roster who absolutely, positively deserve playing time for a you know top 25 team. And, and we're talking about, hey, maybe this is the year he plays nine. There are going to be three guys, at least, I think, who are going to be like, what happened? And the answer is going to be, you need to bring it. You need to play better. You need to improve your game. And then you can be one of those nine. And yeah, the competition. Wow, the practices are going to be unreal because it's going to be competition to even be on the blue and white squad. There are going right. to be two guys who won't make the blue white. You know, who won't be among the 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 ten guys the drills. They're going to be subs. It's crazy. It is crazy to think about the amount of talent on this roster. I don't think we've ever seen a team this deep at Duke. All right, gentlemen. That was a fun talk about the uh, the roster as we uh, get ready for summertime. But it's time for us to wrap this up and get to our parting shots. Donald, I will go to you first. What do you have for us as a final thought
2: before we hit the summertime? So last week, uh, the uh, Duke Blue Devils, uh, the Duke basketball team, had uh, their annual banquet in Cameron, and where it's it's always a, a in a lustrious affair, you always have players coming back. You have uh, all the awards they're given out. And I just want to give out uh, or see show the awards um, that were given out at the banquet. Uh, of course, the, uh, the MVP award was shared this year by Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think the, uh, Duke men's basketball tweeted that it was the first time ever that two players got the MVP and also were national players of the year. I, and said that that probably will never happen again. I, I venture to say it, it could, but it's not going to be anytime soon that we see two freshman teammates uh, win National Player of the Year awards. Uh, at the, so MVP, that goes without saying. Top scholar athlete, Jack White, uh, Commitment in Values Award went to Javin Delorie. The contribution to team morale went to Antonio Vrenkovic, the senior. Uh, him and Brennan Bresser gave uh, very impressive speeches uh, if you guys go on, uh Duke Men uh Duke Men's basketball Twitter. Um they have those videos up. They're very, very uh good uh speeches to watch. Best defensive player, I think we all know who that was, Trey Jones. Um, but I want to go to some of the other player awards because one of them is going to be a little controversial amongst the three of us. The Iron Duke Award for most minutes played, RJ Barrett. Uh, we knew about that. The captains award, obviously the captains, Javin DeLaurier and Jack White. Best free throw percentage, Cam Reddish. We knew that. Most assists, Trey Jones. Best rebound average, Zion Williamson. Best field goal percentage was also Zion Williamson. We had Javon Delorier, but I guess they go by a different metric or a number of minimum field goal attempts to qualify for the award. So Zion, even though he was about three percentage points below that of Javon Delorier, he got the best field goal percentage award. What do you think about that, guys?
1: I think that Jason still won the stats game.
2: By the way, we haven't ordered. <laughs> we haven't ordered- I was the- hoping that I'd get at least an extra point because I'm pretty sure I picked Zion in that and, you- and he picked Javis. So that'd you-, be one extra you still point. lost. You still lost by That's two. That's fine. I-, uh, I will
1: take my points. We still, by the way, haven't ordered the trophy. We're working on that. Or we're not oh, yeah. and we're just delaying. Either way, we're working on the trophy. Yes,
0: <laughs> Sam, your turn. What you got for a parting shot for me, my friend?
1: Oh, man, I have I have a few. Let's see. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that so in preparation for this show, I pulled up Duke's men's basketball roster page, and it's the first time I guess I've pulled up the the one that's on go in a long time. I, I definitely the first time this year because I just learned that they have pronunciation guides for a handful of the players. Did you guys know this? Uh, well, that they have I the... did
2: because I think it came about last year when Trevon Duval had the pronunciation change, and also this year when Zion was talking about how he is is actually Zion, and and people say Zion, but he doesn't care. I think that's when they started actually doing that.
1: So Donald, you're over two because uh, they didn't have this <laughs> last year on the website. <laughs> they they didn't. didn't have this last year. We did get the we did the, get the clarification last year about Trevon Duval, but this year Zion uh when when you when you look on the duke roster page if you go to goduke.com and and just search for men's basketball roster Zion's name it, it when i say pronunciation guide i mean they've got the announcer reading out the names on the website so you can just click and and you'll hear the name it's Zion Williamson he says it that way the one that i don't even know if i've been doing this right but it's Antonio Vrankovic not Vrankovic i feel like sometimes i say Vrankovic and sometimes i say Vrankovic it's Vrankovic on the on the website, so just yeah, for Duke a, fans, a, know a, that okay. A,
0: a C in Croatian when it ends in a C, it's a ch sound, not a k sound.
2: Except for <laughs> international except for with
1: Jason Evans. No, that that Here makes sense, go. Jason.
2: But I, I, will, I will tell you that sometimes they don't go by that by that pronunciation, especially when their family immigrates to another country, especially America. Case in point: Christian Pulisic instead of Pulisic um, is is. A, a pronunciation that has evolved over time. So it is good that they have that for rank Um, because I thought I was going by Frank for a lot of the time.
1: Do you guys remember one of the first shows we ever did where Jason referred to, Oh God, Duke, to, to a Duke power forward as Amelie Jefferson, yeah. <laughs> man. We've come a long way. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're look now we're, we're, we're all over. We were, we were all over the Trevon Duval thing, like very early. We, we knew what we were doing. We're the pros here. Anyway, that was parting shot number one. I have a couple more. The The next one is a, is a personal note. Um, as you guys, if you've been listening to the show since last summer, I guess, you would know that I came to Durham from Denver. I was living in Denver for the last seven years. And I'm a big Washington Nationals fan because I, I grew up in, in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. And in the time that I lived in Denver, the I, I missed one Nationals at Rockies game. They usually play three or four games a year in, in Denver, and I missed one game the whole time, and the Nats are playing the Rockies tonight, and I'm following along with the score, and I'm, I'm feeling very nostalgic, so I just wanted to share my my moment of fandom that is entirely unrelated to Duke basketball here. My I'll Pistons are getting beat, now. but Luke Kennard is doing okay. Oh, the Pistons? Are, well, and the, uh, the, the Caps lost tonight to the Canes. Uh, sorry to all the – well, I guess not sorry because uh, – we must have fans who are who are Carolina Hurricanes fans because maybe we have fans in the Triangle. I assume, but um, the they're they're going to Game Seven, which uh, is a is a bummer for the Caps, although they did win the Stanley Cup last year, which was pretty cool. Uh, let's see, parting shot number three. Last week, I and many of my classmates were treated to a very special treat. Uh, Coach K came over to the business school to do a sit-down conversation with our dean, the dean of the business school, Bill Bolding. And Bill Bolding asked him about all kinds of interesting topics, and they they talked about lots of cool stuff. Uh, I believe that the speech goes somewhere up on the FUCA website. I'm not sure if it's there yet, but if you want to look up um, the series, it's called the Distinguished Speaker Series. Is the is the bit they do at Fuqua where they, it's usually like CEOs that they bring in. So I guess Coach K counts as a, as a high powered CEO at this point. Uh, but the the one moment from it that I did want to highlight, that was pretty funny um, and pretty telling. I mentioned a few minutes ago about how excited Coach K was to have Trey Jones back when, when Bill Bolding made mention of Trey Jones returning and, and something about something about the team next year, <laughs> Coach K paused got out of his chair he was like sitting in a in, in like a comfy chair on the on the stage he got out of his chair got down on one knee and crossed himself um <laughs> in in thanks of trey jones returning to school so That's if you awesome. all think if you all think <laughs> that coach k isn't invested anymore in uh, in this program you should have seen the display of that um so so go ahead and look around for that video if i if i find it uh, of course i'll i'll post it to the website and and to the podcast and then finally whew, Oh, wait oh my shots. god you've
0: got more is i've got there a, more
1: I've, I've got one more look and they were all like sports and duke related so um the last one the is washington that, Na- wait
0: the washington than, nationals one had nothing to do that. with Duke. <laughs> other than that
1: other than that one that that was just a personal but it was a sports thing i feel like we can do parting shots about sports Go, um, go ahead you're, yeah you're good. um donald tells us about all of his like travels around the world to watch soccer uh, that's true so i i didn't mean it i didn't mean it like that but uh, <laughs> i have i attended a, a soccer game with I attended a soccer game with Donald once. It was extremely fun. Anyway, uh, my final parting shot, which is very Duke related. I think I may have mentioned either um, perhaps on the last episode of this program that the business schools of Duke and UNC do an annual uh, competition that is it's sports and other things. We call it the blue cup. It happens in the spring. Uh, Duke won the blue cup this year. So go Fuqua. But the. Uh the most fun thing about it is that I attended the basketball game the other night so the Duke uh Duke Business School men's team was playing the UNC Business School men's team in Carmichael Arena in Chapel Hill so I drove down there with some friends um I had never been to Carmichael before Carmichael of course is the is the older UNC basketball arena it's where um it's where the UNC men's team played until the 80s when they moved to the Dean Dome the UNC women still play there um And so it's still like maintained, it's still a, it's still a normal college basketball facility, but it was a lot of fun um, getting to go to a game there and, and, and in particular to get to go to a Duke Carolina game. Um, So I was, I was screaming my head off, even though there were, I don't know, maybe a hundred people in the gym for this thing. So I I was, I was pretty loud. I was all over the place. I got, um, I think the, the, the two, I wouldn't call them cheers. I guess I would call them jeers that I, uh, that I felt particularly proud of. At one point, uh, the the referees made a call in UNC's favor, and I shouted at them something along the lines of, Ref, that call was more phantom than UNC's 1924 National Championship. Uh, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody in the vicinity got it, but I, I was proud. Uh, and then the other one, one of the UNC players, uh, they, the UNC team were wearing numbered jerseys, And the UNC, one of the UNC players had the audacity to wear a UNC number 23, like intramural sports jersey. No, no, really? Yeah, that was, that was super bold. And he got up to the line, he got up to the line for free throws and it was deathly quiet. And I, I very loudly shouted, huh, wearing 23 and then he bricked the free throw. So I was uh I was pretty thrilled about that. It, it Duke unfortunately lost the game. It was actually fairly heartbreaking, but uh, we did win the Blue Cup overall. So um so shouts to all the all the participants in that. I I of course didn't play any of the sports. Um it's not really. It's I was really I was thing. with
2: Sam when they clinched it at shooters.
1: Um that's that right. <laughs> that's right, Donald. We we had uh we the one of the events was at shooters. It was it was drinking games and eating games, so we we won the uh the speed pizza eating. Um I guess that in UNC at, at speed pizza eating and then and then we uh I think we took it over the top with the beer pong time out. championship.
0: Wait, hold on. Time out. Speed pizza eating. Tell yeah, me so, how this is
2: done,
1: because so I would they,
0: kill at this.
1: So they put I would, out, I would destroy this game. They put out they, they use I think they use the same tables that they use for the beer pong, right? So they're like long, um, kind of kind of crappy tables. Um and they brought each team I th- had I think five participants and they brought, um, they brought like four or five Domino's pizzas or maybe I'm not sure if I have the numbers right, but basically they put out a stack of Domino's pizzas and the two teams were just trying to finish the boxes as quickly as possible. It's honestly, it was a terrible spectator sport. If you've ever been to shooters, um, they had the, they had the tables out like in the dance floor area. And so some people were like up in the, in the balcony. Uh, Some people were standing up, on those like those like end stages at either end of the dance floor to watch but you really couldn't see anything um the the event was a terrible spectator event but the duke team like rose up in cheers before the unc team did so therefore they must have won um and then and then everyone was at shooters and so no one knows what happened after that
0: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we have just set a record. I I haven't gone back and timed it. Someone time it for me. Sam Klein unquestionably did the longest parting shot in Duke basketball podcast history. Sam, congratulations. Thank do you. you. Have any, do you have anything, anything <laughs> a speech or anything like that you want to give in honor of the longest parting shot we've ever seen? <laughs> so for my final, but po- no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all I wanted to say for a parting shot, I will keep it kind of quick is, If your basketball Jones has not been satisfied um, for a little while now because uh, you have not been able to watch college basketball for a few weeks and the Blue Devils lost before the Final Four, go out and watch a little bit of NBA playoffs because there are Dookies just all over the place. Um, Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum are clearly the two best players for the Boston Celtics at this point. Quinn Cook, Mason Plumlee, Austin Rivers are all getting time for teams that are that appear to be advancing in the uh uh in the Western Conference playoffs. Luke Kennard plays a lot for Detroit but it looks like Detroit's going to be done by the time this podcast is over and JJ Redick. Yeah. JJ <laughs> Redick is playing great ball for the Sixers and there was an article on Deadspin the other day. Folks, if you haven't read this uh, or I would never ordinarily recommend a Deadspin article. Let's just be <laughs> clear about that, but there's a really good article about JJ Redick on Deadspin where the author of the article says that J.J. Redick is one of the few unguardable players in the NBA. He says that J.J.'s ability to keep continually moving, his ability to hit shots on the move, you know, like the moment he gets the ball, he can turn and take a three. He said it makes J.J. Redick unguardable and that the way J.J. is constantly moving and forcing teams to adjust to him causes defenses eventually to break down. Um, and and this guy sort of analyzes how J.J. Redick absolutely destroyed the New Jersey Nets the other day. It's not just about how many points he puts up, it's about the pressure he puts on the defense to continually know where he is because he's such a great dead-eye shooter. But um, I I just wanted to point out there are a lot of Dookies still playing, and by the way, cool stat we saw the other day that I shared with you guys that I'll now share with everybody else. Kyrie Irving... Kyrie Irving has the highest winning percentage all time in the NBA playoffs. That is a crazy, insane statistic. Wait, hold on. Say that again. Kyrie Irving has the highest winning percentage of any player in the NBA playoffs in history. We're talking including the great Boston Celtics teams, you know, that like won championships every single year. Kyrie Irving's playoff winning percentage is higher
2: than any player in NBA history.
1: That's insane.
2: And it it makes sense because they have, I mean, he was on the Cavs teams that not just went to every finals, you know, appearance when LeBron came back, but they were going there by like, you know, sweeping almost every series, if not all of them, they, you know, sometimes like the warriors who they had three warriors who are two, three and four on this list. They had some games that went, you know, some series that went six, seven games, but when the Cavs were playing, he was, you know, they were just killing everybody and getting to the finals and sitting there for two weeks, waiting for the Western conference to beat themselves up. And now that he's with the Celtics, he's doing the same thing is they're very, is very, you know, rare that they're losing a lot of games and, and going seven games in, in playoff series, they're doing four or five and they're getting out of there. So that kind of makes sense when you think about it. It's really
0: impressive. It is really impressive that Kyrie's doing this. And, uh, and, and it looks like, you know, all season long, people talk about the Celtics. They're like, what's wrong with the Celtics? What's going on with the Celtics? It looks like the Celtics sort of were like bored. Kyrie, especially, was sort of bored with the regular season. Now they're in the playoffs and they're turning it on. It's really fun to watch. Look, there were there were 25 different Duke players who played in the NBA this past season. 25 different guys who got an NBA paycheck and played in an NBA game. Twenty-three of those twenty-five guys entered the league in the past seven years, so they're still, you know, in their prime. Duke will unquestionably be adding three more players to that list next year. Uh, the only guy who might go away, you know, I guess, I guess, possible. Luol Deng's career may be over, but it is a really fun time to be watching the NBA. If you're a Duke fan, uh, you know, both the both the guys who are in the NBA playoffs now and just the number of Dukies that are proliferating throughout the league, it's its truly amazing. Um, and, it's, you know, it's going to be fun to continue to watch these guys because I think a few of them have a chance to really go far in the NBA playoffs. Um, so uh, tune in and watch and enjoy it.
1: Hey, wait, uh, Jason, I know you're not going to believe this. i I thought of another parting shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's... And it's timely. It 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 relates to Duke Business School and basketball. So uh, this weekend in Cameron, uh, it, schools wrapping up this week. Um, so there's a lot of like farewell events going on for the graduating students. One of the things that's going on this weekend is the first years are playing the second years in a, in a in a basketball game in Cameron, and <laughs> I am going to be on the mic, um, supposedly doing streetball style commentary. So I will have a report on the next show about the quality of my streetball commentary. Okay. Uh, You need to record someone needs to record this. If you have real. Yeah. Section five, get on (laughs) this. If anybody has if anybody has any any listeners have like favorite streetball insults that they think would sound great coming out of the rickety old uh, speakers in Cameron, please email them to DBRpodcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com so that i can co-opt them for the game this weekend
0: wow well with that we're gonna wrap it up sam are you sure do you have another parting shot no
1: nope, that's it for now
0: Okay, good. I'm sure you'll come up with one by the time I'm done saying goodbye. That's going to wrap it up for us on the latest edition of the DBR podcast. We'll be back at some point fairly soon over the summer, probably to talk a little bit more about the NBA draft and and what's going on with Dukies in the NBA draft. But we'll see. Maybe there'll be other news that we want to chat about. In any event, for Donald Wine and Sam Klein, I am Jason Evans. Thanks so much for listening. Like Sam said, reach out to us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com. If you are listening to us through iTunes or whatever it is you're listening to us on, please don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and leave us positive reviews. It always helps, helps things out. We have enjoyed being with you for, uh, for this season and for this podcast, even as we sat through Sam's interminable parting shots. <laughs> Look, they were good, uh, man. They were good. They, they were quality content just that we started parting shots a half hour ago <laughs> in any event again i am jason evans for donald wine and sam klein this is dbr podcast episode number i forget i don't remember what episode we're on it's been that long since we began but duke band it is your turn now take us home